0: Kids love technology. They really do. Um, so, uh, I, I have them take notes now using the pen and tablet. I use PowerPoint for notes. So my slideshow, as I'm teaching, is my PowerPoint presentation. I send that PowerPoint presentation to the students. So they are using their pen and tablet uh, because um, you know all all the word. Um, Word and PowerPoint, they have a draw function on there. So they use their pen and tablet to digitally work out example problems as I'm doing it in class.
1: Today's generation of students are digital citizens, raised with technology at their fingertips. By harnessing the power of technology, modern teaching strategies can enhance student engagement and offer an individualized approach to learning. Why should we consider incorporating more technology into teaching strategies? What are some best practices of using technology in classrooms? And how can we leverage the technology we have at our disposal to engage students and improve student outcomes? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Pablo Garcia to find out. Pablo Garcia is an educator of mathematics, currently in his 26th year of teaching. He has taught pre-algebra through AP Calculus in various settings, including over 20 years in a traditional brick-and-mortar public school system. Now he teaches students online through the Idaho Technical Career Academy, an online public school program for high school students with a focus on career readiness education. He joins us today to discuss how to best leverage technology to engage students. Pablo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. So I want to talk about your um, expertise in math. Uh, You've been a math teacher for uh, 26 years And you've also integrated technology into your classroom. And and that's really, you know, one of the things I wanted to to talk with you about. But in looking at your background, I understand that you also were a wrestler in school. Um, So a wrestler, a mathematician. Are you a (laughs) musician as well?
0: No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: how did you, when did you know that you had the skills to... uh, to really uh, help others with math and how did that work with your wrestling career early on?
0: Well, they were uh, really connected actually. Um, So, I've been wrestling since I was a a little kid, junior high school and I wrestled all through college. Um, And uh, during, uh, during when I was in college, I would come and help my local high school uh, with coaching, and that's kind of where I realized that uh, I'm a natural teacher. Um, so I really enjoyed working with with the young people. You know, at, at that time they were just a couple of years younger than I was. Um, but I really enjoyed, um, you know, breaking breaking things down. Uh, I, I I was pretty natural at motivating people, um, and uh, I realized, you know, that's kind of when I realized. I don't know, for me, the secret of teaching is, is a good relationship, um, a good, strong human relationship between people. Um, that's, that's what a re- that's what a teacher really does, you know?
1: Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I, uh, we've got a crisis with STEM, um, and we've got a crisis with the fact that, uh, in, in the fact that so many, uh, young people are introduced to math by teachers who aren't math teachers, but they're teaching math. And um, why, are, why do people view math so hard?
0: That's a good question. You know, any, anytime I meet somebody new and they, what do you do for a living? I teach math. Oh, I hate math. (laughs) You know, it it just, I get that 98% (laughs) of the time I meet someone new and it it is such a shame. And I tell them always the same. I said, you know what, if you were to dive into math right now as an adult with a little bit more maturity, you would love it. It's such an interesting subject. Um, You know, uh, you know, the ideas of calculus are one of mankind's greatest inventions. And it's a real shame when, when students go through their 12 years of education or, you know, 12 years plus college and never get introduced to those ideas. You know, um, you don't need to be an expert at them, but what is it all about? Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we learn math in elementary school, Yes. Unfortunately, most elementary school teachers gravitate more towards the English history side of 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 school. And so um, and they sort of reluctantly go through the math classes. And I think that kind of shows uh, to the students. Um, so I think passion is really important. Um uh, respect for those ideas, uh, because if the teacher doesn't have that, it, it, they don't communicate that to the students. Because I, I really believe in, you know, in, in, in order to really explain something well, you have to understand it yeah. really, really well. And you yeah. need to see the big, big picture of where this little slice of what you're teaching fits into that big, big picture. And I, and I think when you can explain it like that, um, uh, students naturally gravitate towards. I think. I think little kids love math. They actually really do. If it's explained in a certain way, um, if if they're allowed to, um, you know, practice it and um, see it in in the world around them, um, so you know. In other countries, <laughs> we we you know you know a lot of the Asian countries, the Middle Eastern countries are really well known for their math education, and um, and the big difference between what they're doing and what we're doing is they teach very few topics, but they teach them very very deep. Yeah. We teach a lot of topics, but we only go an inch deep. Yeah. And um, and so, we spend a lot of time, you know, backtracking, you know, you start fifth grade and you spend the first quarter of fifth grade going back, relearning what you should have learned in fourth grade. Um, whereas, uh, you know, instead of, you know, maybe just focusing on just fractions, for an entire year, but you see fractions from every possible perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, before you move on to the next topic. Um, so there's lots of things that we could be doing in this country that, that could make, uh, you know, math education, uh, more effective in my
1: opinion. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, listen to you, I think I want to sign up for your math class now, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, 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 uh, you make it sound, more fun. I, 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 like many of those people who uh, you run into who say that they hate math or whatever, You, know, I grew up in a family where everyone in my family was good in math but me. But I think that was largely because, you know, uh, my elementary school teachers uh, were not good in math and said they did not like math. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I think back, my second and third grade teacher was like, well, you know, You know, we don't like math. Some of us aren't good in math. And, you know, I think psychologically, me and several of my classmates internalize that as I look back on it. Um, And, you know, as I understand from my family, my father who had a chemistry degree and my sister, accounting degree, that, you know, with math, it's like building blocks, that if you miss the sort of foundational stuff you can't really keep going level by level because it just doesn't work. And, and the foundational stuff is so important. How can we change the narrative around math so that it feels like fun culturally?
0: That's a great question.
1: I mean, you have a passion for it and other math teachers I speak with, you know, everyone in my family, except me has a passion for it. And, and, it's interesting because their kids have passions for it as well but but how do we make it cool to to like math
0: right right well you know let's think about some other things in in culture that are difficult and challenging yet we embrace them right sports is one of them yeah so you know Uh, you know, I I know wrestling and wrestling is a heck of a tough sport. It's a really tough sport. Um, Which is
1: experiencing a comeback, by the way. A lot more people are into wrestling. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a wonderful sport and you learn a lot of life lessons through the sport of wrestling. Um, uh, And a lot of kids are passionate about it, but why? Why? So, what's the difference between math, which is also a very difficult endeavor. What's the difference? And um, I don't know, my thoughts are, uh, you know, you have, you know, your parents, you have your coaches, you have the school, all excited about athletics. You get kudos for doing well in athletics. You know, you get all these social um, rewards for doing well in athletics. Um, And so it's part of the culture. It's a fabric of the culture. You're you're naturally uh, motivated to do well in it, whereas in math. You know, uh, I, I would have a, a lot of te- parent-teacher conferences and the first thing out of the parent's mouth is, well, I am terrible at math. So, therefore, this is why little Johnny here is terrible <laughs> at math. While little Johnny is right in front of the parent and I'm like, oh, don't say that. You are, you know, we're giving kids the, ex- the excuse, the, yeah. the, the out to not do well in math. And so, it's part of our culture. So, why are other cultures more successful in math, right? There's higher expectations, right? And so, our culture, we have high expectations for kids in sports or in other endeavors. Um, But math is not really one of those in our culture. So, you know, how do you change that, you know? Little, little at a time, but w- one way, like I suggested, is um, let's get some more math specialists at the elementary school level so that yeah. when kids do arrive at the high school level um, and learn algebra and trigonometry and geometry and calculus and statistics, they've got the tools, they have the confidence, and they, you know, hopefully... Um, Uh, are motivated in a way that uh, that they know if they do well at that, that they're going to get kudos for that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And by the way, I had um, um, Erica Beal, who is a terrific teacher, known for uh, helping kids read who otherwise have been written off and as being unable to read. And she said the same thing you did, that part of it begins with this cultural belief that all kids can learn and that you instill upon the kid high expectations. And so, you know, if you if a kid feels like I can't do it or my parents can't do it or it's too hard, then as you said, it becomes a fate of complete. And they're not going to be successful. But if if you just keep drilling down and 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 you know you have the patience and you tell them this is something that's possible, then it's something that they can do and they eventually do well. You know, you have also, as a way, and this may be part of the answer that, you know, we're, we're talking about in terms of of making math cool and fun, you've integrated technology into your classroom. Uh, you worked for many years in a brick-and-mortar classroom, and then now you're at a, a virtual career academy in Idaho, uh, but you integrated tablets into the classroom, Uh found ways to make sure that you had these supplemental technological uh, tools to help promote this kind of uh, interest in math. Talk a little bit about how that began when you moved beyond sort of the spreadsheet to some of the more technological tools that you could uh, utilize.
0: Math is a verb. Math is something you do. Yeah. Um, learning math, I often tell students, is like learning how to play the piano. You don't listen to someone else play the piano to learn to play the piano, right? You don't watch a math teacher do a problem to learn how to do math. You do. It's a, you know, I tell them, in Nike, right? <laughs> Just do it. You got to do math to learn math, right? Yeah. And so, um, Uh, And that's how I teach is I I want the kids to be doing math. I want to watch them do math. I want other kids to watch other kids do math. I want to have conversations about that process of doing math. I want to see mistakes because that's what we learn from. When you do the problem correctly, the first time you don't learn a darn thing. But yeah. when you mess up and you get advice and you get some constructive criticism, you learn a ton. And other students that are watching you make that mistake learn from that mistake as well. So, mm-hmm. it's it's a wonderful process. So, um, when I was in brick and mortar, you know, I would start every single period. I had my kids trained. When they would walk in, they would just go up to the board and they would write down the homework problems that they could not do that Last night. So somebody would go up and they would write down number 13 on the board. Somebody else would write number 23, blah, 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 right? So there'd be eight numbers up on the board. And then as soon as somebody would write up a problem, someone else that did that problem last night on their homework would go up to the board and start working it out in detail. And I had them trained to do this. I didn't even say the bell hadn't even rung yet, and they would go up and get this process going. So in the first 15 minutes of class, I would have You know, I don't know six, eight, ten problems written on the board, and I'm talking trigonometry, calculus, AP problems, lots of steps, drawings, graphs, and everything, um, all written up by students. It was wonderful, right? And then I would start the class. So um, I have other things that I did in brick and mortar, but that is the essence. I thought was one of the best activities that I could ever do, right? And so when I came to online teaching, all of that stopped (laughs) Hmm. because, so I'm teaching basically on a virtual whiteboard and the first year I'm writing with this. Hmm. And have you ever tried to write with a mouse? No. (laughs) It's really difficult. It looks like you're a third grader writing because your writing is so sloppy and you got to make it so large to make it legible that you can barely get anything on the page. And the kids are there. A lot of them are very reluctant to turn their cameras on. A lot of them are reluctant to hop on the microphone. So, I just had this huge chasm between me and the kids. So, I went from (laughs) wrestling coach, teaching with kids talking to each other and, you know, all this interaction to just this huge chasm between me and the kids. So, that was my first year of teaching online. And so, now I'm on year number five and I've slowly been breaking down that chasm with technology. So, I'll kind of cut to the chase, you know, but now, um, you know, so, how do you get the kids writing I want to see their math, just like I was in the brick and mortar. I want to see them writing. I want the other kids to see kids writing as well. I want to talk about it in real time as you're making that mistake. Hey, let's stop right here. Let's, you know, it's a it's a process. A math problem is not something that you see after it's done. Right. If I just show you a math problem worked out, you're like. Uh, okay, there's a bunch of symbols there. Kids don't get that at all. But sure. when when they see me doing it as we're going through it, that's a whole different process. When they hear my narration as I'm talking through the problem, it's a whole different process. Um, when a kid is working out a problem, narrating what he's thinking, okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do this now. Um, so much more powerful. So much more powerful. So, how How do you get that to happen, right? And so, the kids didn't want to write with a mouse either. So, they were extremely reluctant to show me their work. Um, So, you know, basically, they would do problems on paper. They would scan the paper. They would turn it in, right? But that's a homework problem. Um, I could give them feedback on it, but they did this last Tuesday, and I'm giving them feedback four days later, it, there's just, there's a huge disconnect there, right? Um, it's that real time coaching, it, which is super effective. Um, and so, I, you know, now I use this right here. So, this is a pen tablet for, you know, our listeners who don't even know what one of them are. Um, they're, you know, I basically write on here and it becomes my mouse. So, this is my mouse now. And um, obviously, I can write much neater with this. It's more pleasurable to write with this. I can, I can write small so I can fit a lot of work and do one whiteboard screen. Um, and, um, so I started teaching with this tablet. So that was great. Now I can express my works to the students, but they still were not expressing their work to me. Um, fortunately I have a great, great principal, uh, Monty Pittman at our school who is, um, he's a, he's a great guy because he's constantly looking for solutions. He's always looking for, Hey, can we do something? Can we do this a different way? Can we try this? Can we try that? Um, He's really open to listening to suggestions from teachers. Um, So, um, I have been talking about, you know, how wonderful these tablets are. And finally, last year, we, we, we brought this um, proposal to the board. The board said, Hey, this is an awesome idea. We think this is really important. Let's go ahead and do it. So this year we uh, bought a writing tablet for every kid in the school. And not only are they, you know, using it in math, but they can use it in all other subjects as well.
1: And how has it gone so far? How's it gone? Going great. It's going
0: really, really well. Um, I feel like my effectiveness level has just shot through the roof. Um, So I use this uh, in conjunction with some other technology. So it's kind of snowballed. So I don't know if you're familiar with Jamboard, but yeah. Jamboard is a, you know, kind of a free Google application. Um, and it's just basically a whiteboard, uh, but it, it has 20 slides and you can invite people onto those slides. So, I invite my students onto that slide in the middle of a live class session. So, um, uh, and I can, I can upload problems onto those slides. So, there, you know, there might be an algebra problem on each slide, right? And so, I've got, 20 kids on there working out the problems simultaneously.
1: You know, what's really cool about that, because it's it's a it's an understandable concern and criticism that, uh, you know, online programs don't have the social interaction and you experience that. Uh, But one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with you, Pablo, is that technology to some extent. You know, game for learning, gamification, using tools that are available uh, can help close that that gap, if you will. And the other thing is, for kids who are uh, who have been unengaged in traditional brick and mortar settings, many of those kids just 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 totally embrace the new technology. Do you find that to be the case?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Kids love technology. They really do. Um, so, uh, I, I have them take notes now using the pen and tablet. I use PowerPoint for notes. So my slideshow, as I'm teaching, is my PowerPoint presentation. I send that PowerPoint presentation to the students. So they are using their pen and tablet uh, because um, you know all all the word. Um, Word and PowerPoint, they have a draw function on there. So, they use their pen and tablet to digitally work out example problems as I'm doing it in class. And so, they have a record of that. They save that, right? And PowerPoint is is just awesome because, um, you know, I might have a great diagram. I'm saying, we're going to use this diagram many times. Everyone duplicate this diagram five times you know, you hit a button and you just copy that slide. And now they've got a blank one so they can work one out. They can fill out a unit circle or do some trigonometry on here. And then they got another blank one here.
1: But do you feel that the engagement is improved?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, they are getting on the microphone a lot more, um, because we have, cause we're looking at each other's writing. Um, and, and it's, they have to, And you know, I ask them, I'm like, stop let's do this problem a little bit differently. So they hop on the mic. And so we are definitely engaging so much more. We're engaging intellectually because we're watching each other work out problems.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Pablo, one last question. This is what I really want to know. Um, There are still school leaders, uh, principals, teachers that feel that technology uh, like this can be more of a distraction than an asset. Uh, we have a lot of school folks that listen to uh, this program. What advice would you give them in terms of taking the step to at least trust the process of starting? <laughs> because, you know, it's sad to say, I've been in schools over the last several years where, there are still computers in closets. And so, you know, apparently it's clear that you did certain things that gradually got you to the place where you could communicate better and help engage kids better. But for a lot of teachers and school leaders, it's still a challenge. What would you say to them?
0: Uh, Look at every job. (laughs) It's very difficult to even find a job where if you don't – know how your way around a computer there's no way you're even going to get hired so using the tools that are available today you are doing your students such a huge disservice by not giving them just the practice of of becoming you know um, um competent using the latest software and using computers and things like that so that that would be my first um um comment uh tech uh, technology is, it's not going anywhere. It is part of our fabric of our society and we need to embrace it. You're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. If you're not embracing technology, um, you know, every, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, but you, know, we need to, as teachers and educators, we need to focus on the pros of the technology that's available to us. Um, just yesterday we were in a faculty meeting and one of our teachers sh- said, have you guys seen this Chat GP thing? <laughs> and she brought it up and and said, uh, asked it a question, typed a question, as in something like, uh, "Can you write an essay on? Uh, oh no, write a poem on? Um, uh, I don't know, winter and this and that, and write it from the perspective of a tenth grader in high school." Hit enter, and fifteen seconds later, mm-hmm. there's the poem. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. That, that is a big one that's coming around the corner that we're going to have to wrestle with here pretty soon. So, um, but, you know, putting it away and locking it in a closet is not the solution. (laughs) We need to embrace it and we need to find ways to use it and multiply its effect Um, and not, not the other way around. That's my opinion.
1: Well, well said. Pablo Garcia from the Idaho Virtual Career Academy. Thank you so much for joining us and appreciate all that you do for our kids. And thanks for being on What I Want to Know. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.